holy cow, it's been a long time since I've said holy cow about any Microsoft event, but seriously, folks, holy cow, we're all about Windows 11 up in here, and speaking of hearing, we're also taking a look at the Samsung Galaxy Buds Pro, it's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a long look at Microsoft and Windows 11. Windows-based PCs are far and away the most used desktop computers, so Windows 11 kind of a big deal. Plus, it's my review of the Samsung Galaxy Buds Pro, which I've been putting off for like two weeks now. Speaking of putting things off, a quick look at my YouTube channel shows that, nope, still no OnePlus camera review, and I'm sorry about that, but this working full-time thing is no joke. But for now, we're talking about Windows, or at least I should say we will talk about Windows, because first we have to get to the news of the week. Oh, Texas, you silly, silly state. Remember how all hell broke loose in Texas this past winter because it got really cold and their grid couldn't stand it? Well, now it's getting really hot and their grid can't handle it. Yes, the mostly independent power grid maintained, well... Maintained might be too strong a word, but maintained by the state independent of the rest of the power grids in the United States, you know, the ones that actually work. Well, it turns out that it gets really hot in summer, and as a result, people that live in a state that's 106% desert tend to crank up the AC, and golly gee, Texas's power grid is having some trouble. So, to assuage this, Texas is doing something very simple. It's cranking up smart thermostats across the state so that people's AC doesn't turn on. Now, this is an opt-in program, and according to Gizmodo, Texas officials are not raising the temperature by more than 4 degrees, which is a wonderful show of restraint, I guess, but they're doing it without notifying the homeowners that they're going to do it, and some people are laying down for naps and waking up dripping in sweat. And what did Texas promise to get people to let the government play Russian roulette with their AC? An entrance into a sweepstakes. Ah, no thank you. I'll keep my house cool and I'll tell you where you can shove your lottery ticket. Seriously, Texas, just plug into the rest of the grid. Stop being so damn Texas about this and try, you know, taking care of your residents rather than deep frying them. It's a crazy concept. I know. It's been a couple of weeks since we last talked about Mars, so let's talk about Mars. One of the most exciting sentences that a scientist can say is, huh. That's strange. And it turns out that Ingenuity, the drone on Mars, has managed to get some scientists' hearts aflutter by kicking up dust on the red planet, even when it flies at an altitude of 5 meters off the surface. This dust cloud travels along with the drone, suggesting that dust can get lifted and form dust clouds even more easily than scientists originally thought. It turns out that dust clouds are very common on Mars, and scientists are hoping to soon learn why. By studying the dust clouds that the drone kicks up, up and carries with it, they can start to understand the dynamics of how dust works with the thin atmosphere of the red planet. And all this is possible because Perseverance is videoing Ingenuity's flights, and if that's not mind-blowing, I don't know what is, but scientists suddenly have a lot more work to do up on the red planet. 
Another week, another Clubhouse clone. This time, Facebook is getting in on the action with Live Audio Rooms. Not a terribly creative name, but what do you expect from the people who originally called their product the Facebook? Live audio rooms are exactly what they sound like. Hosting access is currently limited to a select people like celebrities, musicians, and athletes. They can designate their own hosts who can also speak while everybody else listens. You'll be able to limit live audio rooms to groups, or you can make them public so that anyone can enter. The audio rooms will also include text chat reactions, a raise hand feature for Q&As, and notifications for when friends enter a room. This is starting off on Android and iOS at first, but will eventually be rolled out to all users on all platforms. So pretty soon, not only will your racist uncles be able to post racist things, but they'll be able to say them as well you know, outside of Thanksgiving dinner. And I have to wonder if Facebook will be the company to really commoditize this concept. So far, Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces, and Spotify Green Rooms have fairly niche appeals. Clubhouse for iPhone users, Spotify for music people, and Twitter for, you know, assholes. But Facebook is another beast with a kind of global reach that could make this a thing, so stay tuned. Sundar Pichai, or as Republicans know him, the engine who hates us, is drawing a lot of criticism from within the ranks of Google. Basically, Sundar is a very nice, very chill dude, and some within the company are wondering if it's okay that dad is also your best friend. And here's a helpful tip from a dad. It's not. Sorry for the parenting tangent, but if you have a child and you are his or her's best friend, you are screwing up your job in amazing and creative ways. Same goes for company CEOs. Now, I'm not saying that a CEO, nor a father for that matter, has to be a dictator, but leaders are supposed to establish rules of behavior, and Sundar, well... He kind of isn't. Critics point to the increasingly outspoken employees of Google as a big symptom of that. It's kind of like letting the inmates run the asylum, and that usually doesn't end well coming from an inmate. Sure, every day becomes Salisbury Steak Day, but there's a reason you can't just eat protein, and damn it, now I want Salisbury Steak. What was I saying? Oh, right. One of the biggest criticisms about Pachai is that he's often too contemplative, letting important decisions simmer until they get stuck to the bottom of the pan. And now you've ruined your glaze, and damn it, now I want ham. I better finish this story quickly. The New York Times has a very, very long article about it linked at benefitofadow.com, so give it a read and see why Google and its trillion dollars may not be in the best of hands. I mean, we still like you, Dad, but we're going to walk all over you. Back in May, a six-year-old child was tragically killed by a Peloton treadmill, leading to a terrible response by the company and then a recall. Now, following the recall, Peloton has removed a feature from the treadmills that allowed users to go for a run without actually following a classroom on the screen. It also allowed them to not pay the $40 per month subscription fee for the service. Well, that's the problem. Now people who have bought a $3,000 treadmill are forced to continue to pay $40 per month just to use the thing. Now, putting aside the fact that probably no one should ever pay $3,000 for a treadmill to begin with, this is some bushy from Peloton. Basically, the company is using this tragedy as an excuse to force all buyers to get the subscription. Its claim is that when you have a subscription, you need to sign in in order to use the treadmill, and therefore an unattended child won't accidentally get caught in it. 
But in the meantime, pay up, suckers! And that's really not right. Some users are calling this a bait-and-switch. Others are calling it ransomware. Still, others are saying that the whole purpose of buying a Peloton is to get the subscription and the classes, and none of those arguments are wrong. But people bought the Peloton when a subscription wasn't necessary, and now it is. And frankly, it's perfectly justified for those people to either complain or sue or, let's face it, probably do both. Sony announced the Xperia 1 Mark III earlier this year, and now we have pricing and pre-order dates. Pre-orders start on July 1st, and the price is a hefty $12.99, which many tech blogs are quick to point out. That's $100 more than the obviously fantabulous Samsung Galaxy S21 that we sell so many of. I mean, look, I fawn over the Ultra as much as the next guy, but even I'm not that bad. Honestly... There's a crap ton of tech that goes into the Sony Xperia Mark III that Samsung can't even sniff at, including HDMI input and movable freaking focus lenses that shift between 3x and 5x zoom. The lenses move, people, and they're in a phone. Plus, it has a 4K 120Hz display, and it shoots 4K footage at 120 frames per second. Oh, and by the way, we still don't know the pricing on the Xperia 5 Mark III yet, and that will be cheaper with a lot of the same tech in it, so y'all can just back off with the Ultra comparisons. I promise you. Granted, without reviewing it yet, but I promise you, if this phone takes your hard-earned dollars, you'll be able to make a very compelling case against your Samsung diehard friends who, let's face it, only bought the Samsung because they didn't want an iPhone. Here's a PSA for all you drone pilots out there. You need a license, and you need a license, and you need a license. Everybody needs a license. That's right, the FAA has gone full reverse Oprah. Effective immediately, the FAA is now requiring a full trust certification in order to fly. Whether you're grabbing some footage of a local train or acrobatically whizzing in and out of a bowling alley or a 14-year-old kid flying a toy in your backyard, you need a license. But I can tell you, I passed, and I'm an idiot, so if I can pass, anyone can pass. They say the test will take an hour to complete. I did it in 30 minutes. I only missed one question, and that's only because I didn't read all the answers, and one of them was all of the above. Tricky, tricky. Anyway, if you hit up the link in the show notes at benefitofadoubt.com, you can go to the FAA's website and pick an administrator for the test. I took mine at trust.modelaircraft.org, but you can pick from any of a dozen. And just remember, as friend of the show Johnny Feist always says, fly safe. Lenovo is dropping some hotness this week for Mobile World Congress, which for some reason still hasn't been canceled. I get the feeling the only people attending will be people working at MWC and, like, two guys from Deutsche Telekom who are only there for the free taco bar. Anyway, Lenovo dropped a few laptops and Chromebooks, but by far the most notable is the ThinkPad X1 Extreme, which comes with a 16-inch screen, 11th generation Intel processors, and up to a GeForce RTX 3080 discrete graphics card. Add to that 64 gigabytes of RAM and 2 terabytes of SSD storage and a 1080p webcam, and wowza! This is basically the best Lenovo laptop you can buy right now. Lenovo promises 10.7 hours of battery life, which is just adorable. 
It's never going to get that, but it's going to start at $2,149 and will be available this August. Lenovo also released a new pair of Chromebooks, the Lenovo 5i10 and the Lenovo Flex 5i12. The former is a clamshell and the latter is a 2-in-1. You can get either of these with up to an 11th generation Core i5 processor, but don't quote me on this, but I think 8 gigabytes of RAM. Lenovo also announced a pair of monitors and one mobile monitor, which looks intriguing. Honestly, though, that Extreme laptop seems baller as hell. And since I'll be reviewing a Nano laptop next week, that seems relevant. Apple released a 16-page white paper this week detailing exactly why it won't allow side-loading apps. Basically, it comes down to a few things. First, it helps users trust the App Store implicitly. Second, it allows Apple to monitor apps that are allowable on a user's phone and remove malevolent apps. Third, side-loading could potentially allow users to be tricked into installing malicious apps by organizations or other bad actors. And fourth, Apple really, really likes money. Daring Fireball's John Gruber breaks down the white paper in a good summary of the paper with a predictably strong Apple slant. He backs up a lot of points that Apple makes, but the entire white paper and Gruber's entire argument ignores one major factor. It's called Android. Apple argues that with billions of users on the market, sideloading apps would open a Pandora's box of scams and malware into the world from which there will be no escape. But there are many, many more Android users out there than iOS users, by like a lot. And if there are rampant issues of malware and malicious software on Android phones that threatens the pillars of society... I haven't heard about it. Yes, yeah, sure, there are scams. Yes, there are some instances of malware. But none of them threaten all Android users the world over. I can't even think of a flare-up that made any kind of news, or at least not recently. The fact of the matter is, with over 3 billion with a B active users on the platform, 3 billion active users on Android, and the ability to sideload apps on those 3 billion devices... That hasn't happened, so nice try, Apple. Why don't you wake up and smell what you're shoveling? A report came out of the BBC this week of an Amazon warehouse in England that marked over 130,000 products stored in the fulfillment center for destruction this week. 130,000 products in a week. Some of the items, according to an anonymous Amazon worker there, were still in their shrink wrap and included Dyson fans, Hoovers, MacBooks, iPads, and 20,000 COVID face masks, all sent to a landfill or electronics recycling center. During the same period, just 24,000 items were flagged for donation. And here's basically the crux of the problem. Amazon will helpfully store a third-party reseller's product in their warehouse, but they charge for the privilege and for sending the product back to the retailer. The problem is the longer an item sits in the warehouse, the more expensive it is to store. Eventually, it becomes cheaper to just throw out a new computer than to store it or to get it back. So the retailer tells Amazon, okay, just go ahead and throw it away. And if you were wondering how far we've progressed as a society, this is still a problem. And frankly, it's a stupid problem to have. But here we are. 
John McAfee, yes, that John McAfee, was found dead in a Spanish prison this week just hours after his extradition to the United States was approved. McAfee apparently died by suicide in the cell. McAfee was set to come to the United States to face charges of tax evasion, fraud, and money laundering. The cause of death is still officially under investigation, but all signs point to suicide. McAfee earlier tweeted... Apparently, you can tweet from a Spanish prison, who knew? But he tweeted saying that if you find him dead, that means he was killed. So the conspiracy theories are right around the corner on this one, which is not awesome. Personally, I just think this whole thing is a tragedy. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't even know enough about this to form any opinion aside from what the reports say. I will thank him for pioneering antivirus software and for leading that charge, but that's where my involvement ends. And finally, scientists have invented a new straw that can supposedly cure hiccups, and holy crap, are you serious? The Hickaway is a straw that you can back on Kickstarter for $14.95. Now, I know what you're thinking, ugh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter is basically one very small step above rumor, and you're right. But this is an intriguing product if it works. The creators published a study in the JAMA Open Network Journal that surveyed almost 250 participants, and it cured 92% of hiccup cases. That's pretty impressive, or it would be if I knew what the JAMA Open Network Journal was. Now, I'm not going to tell you to go get this thing. I will not be going to get it. I have a pretty good method of carrying hiccups myself that my pappy taught me. But if you have frequent hiccup issues, the JAMA Open Network Journal says it's rad. And if they say it's rad, who am I to complain? Backend, application, API, bugs, attachment, DevOps, backend, frameworks, backward, component, orientation, natural language, language software, blue text editor, book margin, Boolean web server. Welcome to Tech Yeah! This week's Tech Yeah is also kind of a mini review because we're taking a look at the Samsung Galaxy Buds Pro. These came out back in February along with the Galaxy Ultra and yes, I got sucked in. I've been using the Buds on and off for quite some time now and I'm ready to give you my thoughts. Like all true wireless earbuds, the Samsung Galaxy Buds come in a case, but unlike most other Buds, this case is tiny. It measures just one and a half by one and a half inches square, and this case is just itsy bitsy. Inside the case are the Buds, which themselves are also tiny. They're situated in the case so that when you open the case, the left Bud slips into your left ear and the right Bud slips into the right. The earbuds have three different sizes of ear tips so that you can find the right fit, theoretically. The buds pop into the case magnetically and align to the pogo pins inside the charge. You'll get 5 hours of listening and 13 more hours from the case with active noise cancellation on, and 7 hours and 20 hours in the case without ANC, but trust me, you're going to want to turn it on. When worn, the buds go into your ear canal and sit inside your ear. This gives you a pretty good seal, but I couldn't find a good size for my ear canal, waffling between small and medium. Medium was a bit too big, small was a bit too small. One criticism I had early on is that the buds fit into the charging case and pop in magnetically even if they're reversed. And if they're reversed, it's hard to tell until you actually try to close the case. I'd like to see a different design here so that it's harder to put the buds away backwards because if you do put them in the case backwards, it's a pain to fix them. 
When worn in the ears, they're comfortable even over long periods. The inside of the buds have a sensor that detects when they're removed, and the outside is a touch-sensitive pad. And here comes my next criticism. These outside touch areas are hella sensitive. A single touch plays and pauses your music or podcast. A double tap fast-forwards your media. Touch and hold is configurable. I have mine to adjust the volume up and down, but you can also set them to toggle between active noise cancellation and ambient noise pass-through. The Galaxy Buds also have a setting where they can detect when you're speaking and turn on ambient mode automatically. This makes it convenient for when you're listening to music or a podcast and you want to order food or something. It's a nice feature, but I turned it off after a few days. It seemed like most of the time I wanted to talk, I had to pause what I was listening to anyway and take out the buds. It was just more comfortable for me. But my annoyance is how touch-sensitive the buds are. When I would push them into my ear to adjust them, I was constantly starting and stopping my podcast, and it was very annoying. It's by far my biggest gripe about the buds. I'd like to see a lot more battery life here, too, but that touch thing is insane and drives me nuts like every time I wear them. And to compound upon that, the double tap in order to fast-forward doesn't work all that well either. Like, it will register the first tap, but not the second tap, or I'll double tap and it just won't do anything. So Samsung has some work to do here. But the main reason I keep coming back to them is twofold. First, because of how tiny the case is, so it easily fits into whatever pocket I want to carry it in. But also because the active noise cancellation is damn good. Like, noticeably, whoa, good. Like other noise cancellation, this won't do much for sudden noises, but if you have a washing machine going on behind you or a box fan, you basically won't hear it. Ambient noise from driving is just gone, though I don't recommend wearing these while you're driving. Even though I totally do. Do as I say, not as I do. The isolation you get is just okay. For example, when I ride my bike with them, I still get a lot of wind noise, and that's unfortunate, but with only one exception, I get wind noise regardless of what headphones I wear on my bike. The exception, by the way, will be the subject of another mini-review later on. Getting back to the buds, pairing is stupid easy, especially when you're working with a Samsung phone. Just open the case near the phone and boom, you're paired. It's similar to using a Samsung watch and a Samsung phone. It's just very easy. The buds pair well enough with other devices, don't get me wrong, but it's not Samsung or bust here. But it is stupid easy with a Samsung phone. As for the sound, they sound really great. You get the deepest bass and solid mid-tones and high notes. My go-to song for evaluating earbuds is Lindsey Sterling's Roundtable Rival, and these buds absolutely love that song. It's dubstep violin, so you're getting a wide range of frequencies and it doesn't drop a single one. Plus, with active noise cancellation, you can listen to your podcast at a whisper, which will help preserve your hearing long term. Now, these buds are $200, which is not cheap. The only reason I have them is because Samsung gave me a $200 credit when I bought my Galaxy Fold, and when I returned the Fold, they only gave me $1,800 back. Don't tell my wife. So once I'd absorbed the cost, I decided to keep them because they are that good. These will be my go-to earbuds for quite some time, but I have to caveat that by saying that I have an upcoming set of buds that I'll be equally gushy about. I can see myself switching off between these two sets fairly regularly for the foreseeable future. In the meantime, I really love the Samsung Galaxy Buds Pro, and if you decide you want to try them out, there's a link in the show notes and on benefitofdow.com, and I'll get a little piece of the pie and you'll have my thanks. But for now, let's get back to the show.
Microsoft had a big announcement this week, finally introducing Windows 11 after months of rumors, speculation, and leaks. Finally culminating in about an hour of Panos and company, and we'll get to Panos in a minute, but let's talk about some history here. We're moving on to Windows 11 here, and frankly, history is not on Microsoft's side. Consider Windows 98. That was a tick. Then you get to the talk, which was Windows ME, and you know, crap. Then another tick, and you get Windows XP, which was great. And then another talk, Windows Vista, which was really not great. Back to the tick, you get Windows 7, which was awesome. Then you had Windows 8, which... I mean, come on, people, it was fine, but a lot of people didn't like it, whatever. Anyway, we got to Windows 10, which is great, and now we're looking at Windows 11, which is another talk. So, how bad is a talk? Well, right now, it's not looking too bad. The biggest complaint you can make is that the start button isn't where it should be, which I complained about in last week's podcast. Now that I've seen it in action, though... Okay, I'm willing to concede that it makes some sense, and Microsoft will let you put it back in the corner if you want it there anyway, which, by the way, is a tech support nightmare waiting to happen. But I'm not in tech support anymore, so it's no longer my problem. But before moving on, before we talk about Windows 11, I want to talk about my boy Panos, because he's just the man. Panos Panay, who I've mentioned is my favorite presenter ever, spent a lot of time telling us how beautiful and simple and elegant Windows 11 is. And I have to wonder what it was like to see him propose to his spouse. I, I just get the feeling he'd be all like, my goodness, you're beautiful, simple, elegant. You're the only one I want to spend my life with. It'll be great because you're great and I'm great. You see, I've got this ring. Just look at this ring. It's circular because my love for you just keeps coming around and around. On top, it's shiny because shiny things are beautiful and you're beautiful. So I'm going to put this on you and I bet you're going to love it because I love it and I love you. So let's go to this courthouse or a church. It doesn't matter because it's all about variety and choice. Your choice and my choice coming together and making it work. They told me I should bring flowers, but that I didn't bring flowers. Why would I bring flowers when I have you? You're like the best flowers because you grow and you change and you get more beautiful. And if I cut your legs off and put you in water, you're going to die. Just like a... What the hell am I talking about? It doesn't really matter because this is all beautiful. Okay, wait. <laughs> that went to a dark place. Sorry, folks. And sorry, Panos. And I'm especially sorry, Mrs. Panay. Let's talk about Windows 11 before I bury myself any deeper, shall we? First of all, and largest of all, Windows 11 will be a free upgrade, and just holy crap, dude. Windows 10 has been out for 10 years, and Windows 11 is a free upgrade? I did not expect that. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect, but I did not expect free. And that's awesome, because we'll get to everything Windows 11 is bringing to the table, but right off the bat, Microsoft, you have my attention. The upgrade is set to come this holiday season, and prior to that, Windows PCs will be sold as, air quotes, Windows 11 ready, which seems superfluous, but whatever, I guess. Aren't most Windows PCs Windows 11 ready? Anyway, it's a new sticker that manufacturers can stick on their PCs, so I guess that'll make them happy. Moving on, let's talk about the start menu. The start button is moving to the middle of the taskbar like we talked about before, and as I mentioned before, I'm kind of okay with it. It's going to be something to get used to for sure, but I think I will eventually grow to love it. There are no more live tiles, RIP live tiles. I really liked live tiles on Windows Phone. I could take them or leave them on Windows 10. Had Windows 8 stuck around, this would be a weird move, but it didn't, so it's not. 
Instead, the Start menu will be comprised of AI-selected apps, documents, and websites pulled from your history. There's going to be a static element to this where you can pull up an apps list and whatnot, but it seems like universal search will be a major factor here as well. If you search for something, it's going to pull results from your local computer, OneDrive, and the web, including the App Store for different apps. And speaking of the App Store, there's a pretty major announcement for that coming later. Microsoft also announced some changes to Snap, including Snap Layouts and Snap Groups. Snap Layouts is a little hard to describe, so bear with me. When you hover over the Maximize button, you know, the square in the upper right-hand corner, you're going to get a few different layouts to choose from. You can snap the window to any layout that's presented, left side, right side, down the middle, bottom corner, upper corner, whatever you want. As someone who's been using Snap fairly regularly, I can tell you it's neat, but it's also a little janky, so hopefully this will help smooth things out. I doubt it, but hopefully. There's also Snap Groups, and I was a little fuzzy on this part, but it seems like you can pin different layouts to your taskbar, which would allow you to open a few different windows at once. I'm not positive on that one, but what I do know is that Windows will do a behavior that I'm personally excited about. Currently, if you have a multi-monitor setup and you disconnect one or more of the monitors, like with a laptop, Windows will vomit all the windows that you had open on the disconnected monitor over onto your primary display. With Snap Groups, when you disconnect a monitor, those windows will minimize onto your taskbar. You can still bring them up on the primary machine if you want, or you can just leave them minimized there. When you reconnect the monitor, those windows will pop right up and you can continue on from where you started. Now, as someone who uses laptops and multi-monitor setups, I'll be right back. I need to go change my shorts. Microsoft also introduced different desktops, which I frankly don't want to think about. You can create different desktops for school or for work or for home or for gaming. I'm sure that's a big deal for people who do like that. But since I work all the time, I'll just have one desktop, thanks. By the way, I'm going to hit the fast forward button here and blitz through some things, so try to keep up. Teams will be integrated into Windows. Yay. Microsoft pimps it as a way to connect with people you care about, but if you cared about them, why the hell would you get them to sign up for Teams? Microsoft couldn't answer that question, but what scares me or what should scare Microsoft about this is... I don't know. What if Microsoft included something like, um, say, Internet Explorer as a default browser on every Windows machine? How is this different? In an age where people are communicating over their computers via Slack and Zoom and FaceTime, or so Apple wishes, but in a world where more people are using their computer to communicate with each other, I don't think this is a hill Microsoft wants to die on. I will be absolutely shocked if a new antitrust suit doesn't pop up sometime around Christmas or New Year's. Good luck with that, Microsoft. Microsoft is also punting on the full-blown tablet mode. You can still use Windows as a tablet, but the differences are going to be much more subtle. Icons will be a little bit more spread out, and touch targets for moving and resizing Windows will be slightly larger. These are good changes, but honestly, the only thing I want from a tablet mode is Windows to know when the hell to open the software keyboard. If Microsoft can fix that, a lot of their tablet troubles will be solved. One neat thing that's long overdue on all operating systems, but Windows is getting it first, is a universal mute button. Basically, there's going to be a button in your system tray that will mute your microphone. You won't have to go hunting for your chat app to mute, but then you wouldn't have to anyway since everyone's going to be using Teams, right? Right. 
Arguably the biggest announcement of the day comes from the Microsoft App Store, and I'm just going to get this one out of the way now. Windows is going to run Android apps. Now there's one huge caveat here. The Android apps will be coming from the Amazon App Store. And if you'll recall my review from the Amazon Fire Tablet from last year, the Amazon App Store is a barren wasteland of garbageware and abandonware with very, very few apps worth anything. There are some games, there are some productivity apps that are worth something, but most of what's there is trash. It's almost as if the Microsoft team got together and said, we want to integrate another app store on Windows, but one that's even stupider and crappier than ours. Oh, get Bezos on the phone. We've already had a taste of Android apps on Windows coming from Samsung phones, and it's neat, but even Play Store apps aren't game changers. I think Android apps is one of those things that sounds like it would be amazing, but it turns out it's kind of like iPhone apps on the iPad. Blown up, crappy experience, but, you know, bigger. We'll see. I'm not terribly optimistic about this, but it will be great for some people, and at the end of the day, that's what's important. Microsoft also announced that if a developer decides to implement their own payment system into an app, Microsoft will not take anything. Hello, Apple. Shots fired. The developer can keep 100% of the profits, but Microsoft quickly pointed out that that arrangement did not include games. And just like that, Tim Sweeney got very, very sad. Yes, Tim, this is still a fight that you're still going to need to fight. Plus, Microsoft isn't going to win your court case for you, bro. You just got to keep on trucking. Now, does this seem like an arbitrary caveat? Yes. Does it make sense? No, not really, except that games basically print their own money, so it's not a surprise that Microsoft doesn't want to miss out on that. I'm sure Microsoft has a public-facing excuse for it, but honestly, it's probably about the money. At the end of the day, though, this is a happy move for developers as long as you're not a game developer. But that's not everything. There was a lot more in there too, but I'm getting sick of hearing my own voice and I can only imagine you're there too. I linked to a couple of articles in the show notes on benefitofadow.com if you want to read more about this, but overall, I'm very excited for Windows 11 and I'm excited for Microsoft in general, and I'll probably install Windows 11 just as soon as I can. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to not thank Samsung for not sending me the Galaxy Buds Pro to review. And I'd also like to thank Cliff Thomas for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I would like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.